This is Dr. Isla Bates. I am the host of the podcast, Healer, Heal Yourself, Reduce Burnout, Discover Your Creativity While You Heal Others. And this is a podcast where I get to interview creatives who are also entrepreneurs, physicians, artists, art therapists, and people who have actually used art to heal themselves or to feel renewed, regenerated, and to really prevent burnout. And so today I'm going to be interviewing Dr. Nancy Prendergast, who is a physician who is a prolific artist. She does a lot of portrait work using Procreate, which is an app that allows one to paint and draw on digital uh, mediums. And so I am very curious to talk with her today. So your name, your last name is pronounced Prendergast. Prendergast. Yeah, it's P-R-E-N-D. And a lot of people mispronounce it because I guess there are variations on the spelling. Um, it's it's an Irish name, um, like the painter Prendergast. But, you know, like all Jamaicans, I have a mixed heritage, as do you. Um, and uh, so my father was half Indian, half black, and gave me the Irish last name. Uh-huh. And my mother is... 101 and still kicking up a storm. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and she's half Chinese, half black. Okay. Something else in there, which we don't know what it is. And so, you know, in Jamaica, I have family in Jamaica. My, you do. Yeah, sure. We have just, we have Indian, Iranian, Dutch, French, Carib, enormous amounts of mixtures and differences, right? Of many yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, and and you know what? That's special. Yeah, it is special. It's nice. It is nice. And I, yeah. I you know, this country defining people as black or white is that we lose so much of what we are, who we are. And we lose the richness. Yeah, we do. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that... Um, coming to this country as a, as a young child um, and being faced with that when you come from a country where there's no such thing as finger pointing and, you know, classification in that way um, hurts. It does hurt. Um, yeah. I came to this country when I was six. How old were you? I think first time I came when I was seven. Uh-huh. But I, I was constantly transplanted between here and Jamaica for until I was 13. We finally settled here when I was in first year of high school. So I, I had been back and forth between the two countries at school for multiple years. So I experienced both places at interesting ages, um, but I survived. That's really wonderful that you got the best of both worlds. It was and it wasn't great. You know, when you're a kid and you're trying to belong, Yeah, it's not great. And also when you go between different countries, and you know, life in Jamaica, lifestyle and life in Jamaica is very different from here. What part of Jamaica? Kingston. Okay, yeah. So there's different access to things in yeah. each country that make life difficult or easy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would have lessons in one place and I wouldn't have lessons in the other. And I have a teacher who took care of me in one and not in the other. And it just, and you had to keep making new friends. So yes, yeah, I got, you know, the best of both and I got the worst of both at the same time. So, uh, you know, um, 
mm-hmm. wasn't ideal for me. That made me want to not ever move my children. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what we did. You know, we made one move actually when the older one was five mm-hmm. and she didn't let us forget it until she was about nine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, my daughter has moved a ton and oh. I think she feels the same way. Like she is not going to move if she can help it. Yeah. It, yeah. it does make life, you know, I think it's also hard to see the positives of it while yeah. you're in it. Absolutely. What you see is, oh my God, I'm going through this again. Oh my God, I don't have this again. I have to start that over. You know, and you don't really understand that you're getting the wealth from both as well as the minuses. Right. And so now I can look back and realize, yeah, I got a lot of positive things, but boy, it, it was, was at a price. And there's this constant anxiety too, because you're always the new kid. Right. Yeah, this is like it's not easy. It's not easy. And yeah. when you're a new kid, especially, you know, new kid in Jamaica wasn't bad mm-hmm. because I fit in there. Mm-hmm. New kid here, I didn't fit in. Where? So Where exactly? I grew up in Brooklyn. So we were, we lived in Brooklyn for a number of years while I was younger. And we moved to Flushing High School. You know, I was in high school. We settled from there on and stayed in the States. Uh, so I didn't move again. But it was hard. It was tough. It sounds it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and all the other social things, I dealt with a lot of social things, but um, moving around was something I would not do to my kids. So that was my, that was my goal. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I understand. Were your parents always with you or were you ever separated from your parents? Well, my mother was not married to my father Uh um, and she had me as her first and only pregnancy at 41. So she was by herself. Mm -hmm. My father was actually married to another woman. He didn't have any of his he didn't have any biological children. So when she got pregnant, I was their child. I was his child. Uh-huh. So, um, but he died when I was seven. Okay. And so my mom raised me in Jamaica. She would come to the States to try and make a living and leave me with her best friend and her four kids. And then she'd come back and live together. And then she'd go back away. And then, you know, it was just, then she'd take me. And then she realized that the man that she had married, who was my stepfather, was a raging alcoholic then she sent me back home then she'd bring me back when he calmed down it was just really wow it was not an easy time so I mean obviously there were other extenuating circumstances aside from just moving back and forth which made life more difficult but for me and yes I was separated from my mom at some critical years yeah which was not easy and Mm -hmm. you know it's not easy living in someone else's house who do you talk to? You know, stuff like that, you know? Um, I think that stories like yours are very much stories of immigrant, you know, oftentimes kids are separated from their parents for many years. Yeah. As their parents come to the U S to try and earn money and send it back. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. My mom also has, had me in her 40s so I had an older mom too you did yeah so I I know what that's like 
as well. That also is different. That skipping of a generation was really critical. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. There wasn't um, the connection, I think, that there would have been had we been closer in age. Yeah. It's more like like the grandparents at the time. Yeah. yeah, She was like a grandparent. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, my, my husband teases me all the time because he says that I raised myself and it's true. You know, my mother was not very good at decision making and she wasn't educated. She had a sixth grade education and, you know, you make decisions, you know, you're a smart kid. Yes. You make your own decisions. Yes. I had very similar experience uh, too with my mother. And, you know, I remember as a kid in high school, filling out all the financial aid forms. Oh, of course. Apply, doing all the applications and everything. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my, my, my guidance counselor in high school, you know, we used to sit after school and help him like stuff envelopes and stuff. And he pulled me aside one day and he said, Nancy, because no one in my family had gone to college before. So he pulled me aside and he said, Nancy, here's a list of five schools that I think you should apply to. I had no idea. I'd never even heard of the one that I ended up going to. Uh, <laughs> what is this? Right. And dutifully, I applied and I, you know, I did everything. Yeah. My mother, as I was just telling friends recently, my mother having watched, you know, Dr. Phil and, and, and Oprah and whoever else she was watching to get in touch with feelings and all that stuff and, you know, psych- psychological stuff. She said to me one day, she said, you know, I had no idea how difficult it was a time that you were having in college and in medical school. I didn't even know. And I didn't help you. Wow. She couldn't have, you know, yeah. but, but that's, that's the grandparent. Absolutely. Yeah. The uneducated grandparent right. of a parent. It's wonderful that she came around though and she realized that. And it's wonderful yes. that you have her now too. Yes, we're very lucky. Yes, yes. for sure. We're very lucky. We're trying to shield her from this Omicron thing. Um, Not easy. No. So what was it about you that you wanted to become a doctor as a kid? You know, I, I was, um, I have sickle trait okay. and I was a sick sickle trader. Oh. So I have a high level of hemoglobin S, oh. almost to the level of... Of disease. And so I was sickly as a kid from many, many times. And so I had a lot of interaction with doctors. And to me, that's, that's who I saw. I that's see. who I wanted to be. And it never changed. Wow. You know, those formative years really do impact you. They do. Even though you're so young and you think, what are you taking in? Nothing, you know, nothing, you know, when I went to, when I got to Brown for my seven year program, and they had a, a social with the seniors so that they could, like the people at seven years, so they could talk to the people at first year and kind of, you know, make a community. And they started talking about residency. And I was like, what? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Like what? You can't just walk out and hang up your shingle? What? What is this? Yeah. Well, you actually could, but most people could, don't. You could, but who would go to you? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. The journey was just beginning, right? Oh my God. I had no idea. Really? Wow. No idea. You know, when I, I'll tell you a funny story. When I got the Brown application, I remember Harvard had, you had to write the essay for Harvard, right? You had to. For Brown, being Brown, the essay was optional. Uh So no one was looking over my shoulder when I was making my application. So I had submitted slides of my my drawings, which a a friend of mine, his brother was a photographer, made slides of my drawings for me. I submitted my drawings. I told them what I had accomplished musically. And I said at the, on the big blank two pages, I said, I feel that that my accomplishments adequately represent who I am and I don't need to write an essay. Oh. Oh my God. Right. No, I love it. Oh. <laughs> they probably never saw that before. What? <laughs> 
what was I thinking? Send it off. Oh, and the little box that said, would you like to be considered for the seven-year medical program? Check off. That was it. I had no idea. But I love that though. (laughs) I I love that authenticity and that boldness. I mean, to me, that says a lot. You know, and I think back- You got in. You got in. I got in. I got in. Seven-year program. I got in. Uh And it's funny, um, the dean of students who, when I, I went to Brown, I visited Brown on my way up to see Harvard. Uh-huh. And I was just, I was just Harvard, Harvard, Harvard. That's where I'm going to go. Yeah. And I stopped at Brown, which I'd never heard of before my application, before he gave it to me on that piece of paper, like where? And um, the Dean of Students pulled me aside and he said, you know, I'd really love to have you here. And I said, yeah, but I'm going to Harvard. And he yeah. said, no, no, no. I'd really love to have you here. And um, I went up to Harvard and I absolutely hated it. You know, when you just go someplace, nothing rubs you the right uh-huh. way. Uh-huh. Everything that could possibly have gone wrong, went wrong when I visited Harvard. Yeah, I was done. And Brown, I was shocked how it hit me. Yeah, hit me. And I knew I was going to Brown. Well, it sounds like the perfect place because you obviously had musical and artistic. And and then there's RISD, Rhode Island School of Design, which is right next door. I mean, that right. sounds like the perfect combination. Which I knew nothing about when I applied or when I, you know, yeah. hit the ground. Yeah. So. so tell me about art. This, this podcast really is about art and music yes. and creativity. Yes. And it sounds like even before medical school, you were involved in the arts. So it must have been in some way healing to you. It was, you know, in high school, we did something called Sing uh-huh. and um, completely student run, well, you know, overseen by, by teachers, but, you know, we did the backdrops. We did the, we, we were the band, we were the singers and the actors. And I was the piano player for wow. the band. That was my community. Hmm. Now, did that you have piano lessons or? Well, in, when I was in Jamaica, I had uh-huh. piano lessons okay. um, because it was public high school and the teacher, the piano teacher loved me and she taught me to play classical guitar, which yeah, I also played. I um, beautiful. She loved me. She loved me. I, she learned, I played my melodica in the, in the, in the school band. I, that saved me at that time of my life. And um, when I would come here, I wouldn't really have the lessons. So I didn't even have a piano. So it was just, it was very, it was very obvious the differences between my lives at that time yeah. and emblematic of, you know, how things were going. And yeah. so when I came here and I went to high school, I did as much music as I could. I was doing art classes as well. And I, at that point realized that I, I couldn't try and make it a living to do art because I had my single already elderly mother at home and I needed to go out and make a living and uh, couldn't be an artist, wouldn't work. Well, that's what you were told, huh? You know, I don't know if anyone told me that. I think I just figured it out. Yeah. So there was no wisdom there. There was just, I don't yeah. think this can work. A lot of us grow up thinking that way. Um, yeah. I certainly did. And like you, I, I was determined to to go a straight academic route and I wanted to go to Harvard and it's my art teacher in high school that said, gotta go to Parsons. And and she said, go for the summer. They have a high school program and just try it out and see. And that's when I discovered that you could actually make a living doing art. I had no concept whatsoever of, of art as a career. And so I ended up going to Parsons because wow. of that, that high school teacher and not pursuing Harvard pre-med. Wow. <laughs> so that, wow. 
You know, in high school, three of us, one who went into advertising, one who I have no idea what she did, but she did something semi-artistic and socially oriented. Uh And me, and we all took Parsons art classes on the weekend. We slept into the city, did the class, then went back home. I just never thought it was something that I could make a living and support my mother on. Right. Mm-hmm. And do you still believe that? You know, in this digital day and age, it's a different animal. And I think the, the opportunities nowadays are vast to be able to make a living doing creative things. Yeah, absolutely. So that's changed the, the playing field substantially. Mm-hmm. And also just digital online exposure exactly is another thing that we would not have had you would have had to scramble and I just did, didn't know I had it in me I plus yeah. I love medicine I love the sciences when you love both it's hard to find that balance yeah. Did you continue to play the piano through medical school? And I did. They had a, they had a wonderful piano studio with multi pianos in one of the older buildings at Brown. And I actually took like a music composition classes, and I, I took real musical theory classes at Brown. I continued them, so I, that was amazing. Wow. Um, but I have to tell you, I have to tell you a story. You know, I kind of grew up as a shy kid. You know, I did perform in high school, but I was still really a shy kid. And the head of the music department, who I took the composition class with, said, you know, the chorus is going to China this year. Why, uh, you know, anybody who wants to try out, please try out because you can all go to China if you come. I went up to his office on the third floor. And I stood outside his office for, I don't know, 45 minutes, an hour, pacing back and forth going, I'm not good enough. Mm. I'm not good enough. I, I, I can't go in. Right. And you don't have it in you, mm-hmm. even though you've gotten that far. Look how far I gotten! Right, amazing. Yeah, you just, I just I didn't have it. Yeah, isn't huh. that something? Yeah. Wow. So you would have gone to China to study music or to compete? no no the the um the Brown Chorus had been invited to tour China. Oh, I see. And so they were, they were doing a tour over there, which was a phenomenal opportunity. Wow. And he really encouraged us, but all you had to do is try out. He loved me. He would have taken me at the drop of a hat. Yeah. But yeah. 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 But I'll tell you, I did take RISD courses when right. I was an undergrad. And uh-huh. Brown did a funny thing. In your last semester of medical school, where everyone else was doing, you know, sub-I and, you know, ICU rotations and all that stuff. Brown gave the option to take undergraduate courses in your last semester of medical school. Very nice. I love that. And my roommate and I, Danny, he went on to do, he went on to be triple boarded in psych, adult psych, pediatric psych, and addiction psychiatry and um, psychiatry. And um, we went and took RISD classes. Oh, so smart. <laughs> oh, my. One of the best things I have ever decided about in life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. What classes did you take? Well, I took a photography course. Wonderful. And I sucked. <laughs> it was, it's, it's so much harder than you think, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. But, you know, but one of the things that I didn't realize was that I had taken the RISD courses when I was an undergrad, right? And the teachers liked me and they liked my work and stuff. But when I 
took the photography course, that's what separated the boys from the men. <laughs> because when, you know, I went into New York and I took pictures of homeless people's feet and, you know, buildings and stuff like that. And I came back going, yeah, I got this. And you look at the photographs that the real RISD students put up and you just, you just, you, you, you melt. Yeah. You just realize. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> There's no comparison. No yeah. comparison. Yeah. However, in, I took an ink class and I started off the ink class going, me, 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 little line, little lines, a little, you know, cross hatching uh-huh. and stuff like that. And the teacher said, no, that's not what this class is about. You got to let go and open up. And I was like, no, 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 I can't. I can't. I can't. And he said, no, you got to let go. Yeah. And by the end of the semester, he gave us an, a, like an eight foot by four foot long piece of brown paper. And they said, okay, go. I never got that back. He took it. Uh-huh. He loved it. He loved it. Yeah. He loved it. Yeah. So, you know, it's all these experiences that are just, that touch you someplace. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very important. Critical. Well, what, what does art do for you? What does drawing do for you? I think one of the things that I realize when I'm drawing is that I'm no one's mother. I'm no one's daughter. I'm no one's wife. I am me and I'm doing for me. Yeah. And that elevates me somewhere that I don't get otherwise. Like people say, when you're exercising, I feel that. No, I don't feel that when I'm exercising. Right. I feel that when I'm drawing. Yeah. And I have something to show for it at the end. Right. Mm-hmm. And those are really important. How do you feel when you are drawing? You know, for me, I get lost in it. You know, it's a way for me to connect my mind, my body, my soul. I feel more connected. That's perfect. I, I think I think I have yet to get to that place mm. because I think there is still some creativity or some angst or some something to work through and get out there from me that I haven't yet released, but I'm getting there. Yeah. Some resistance that you're yes. feeling. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah. I sense that. Um, you do. Yeah. It's I real. Do. It is real. And it's very difficult to get over. It is. And I'm trying to think, you know, how I may have gotten over it. And one of the things. Oh, so you had that? Yeah, I think so for a long time, because in our medical training, we have to compartmentalize ourselves so much mm-hmm. that I became very disconnected to, from the creative parts of me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really draw or paint for quite a while. Yeah, and me too. I, I was miserable, but I didn't know why I was so miserable. Mm-hmm. And part of part of being miserable was that disconnection that I had from my creative self because I didn't accept it. I didn't value it because at the time I think I thought other people didn't value it either. Interesting. Yeah. Like if I told someone I was a fashion designer at one point, it just felt like it, it discredited me as a physician in some way. Okay. Yes. You can't be that serious or You, you know, there, it, so it, it, it sort of took away from who I was, but I didn't yeah. realize the richness of how that actually yeah, made the value. Me, yeah. Made me a better physician in so many ways. Once yeah. I was able to connect how art enriched me, you know, my life and me being a physician and 
when I came around to valuing it is, is I think how that, that connection came to be. And one of the ways I did that too, was finding a community where I started to paint and do printmaking. And I just got very bold and started entering juried shows. And um, when I started connecting with people, when people would see my art and have a reaction to it, Mm -hmm. it was very powerful. It is. It is. Yeah, it is. But I think that's one of the benefits of the social media aspect of the exposure, that when people have a reaction, people who you think probably never looked at a painting before in their life, and they can react to your work, you're thinking, oh, I'm doing something, I reached someone. Exactly. And it also is a very powerful way of communicating feelings. It's a way of communicating. There are three self-portraits that I had done when um, I had a case of valley fever. (laughs) And yeah. And it, uh, I was biking in in the in the desert. You know, you Colorado? don't do oh. in Arizona. Actually. Arizona, okay. And there was a dust storm. You know, and I'm like oblivious to valley fever. Yeah, sure. I was interviewing at the University of Arizona. Just thought it would be nice to go for a little bike ride. Anyway, you know, needless to say, <laughs> I came wow. home and and got very ill. Yeah. And no one on the East Coast really knew what was going on. So I had to to do a lot of research and actually communicate with the University of Arizona and advocate for myself. Sure. So during that time, I took these self-portraits. My lips had blown up. My, you know, I looked like I was on death's door. Oh my. When I recovered, actually, and that's a longer story, but when I recovered, I went into the art studio and I did these portraits based on the photographs I I had taken. Mm -hmm. And they're extremely moving drawings. I remember having them displayed in an art show and someone walking up to them and very struck by them. I started to tell my story. And once I started telling my story, I realized the power of art could communicate not only feelings, but I could also educate them about valley fever. I could, you know, communicate in so many different ways. And I think that that was a moment where I just felt like everything really suddenly integrated. When was that? That was, oh my gosh, that's probably like 12 to 13 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Gee. Yeah. And so was, where did that where did that take you then from there? What did what did you do? What how did you follow through with that? With the art? Yeah. I just kept doing it. And then um it's more recently I uh, like 5 years ago realized that it was healing to me. You know, after I had done these portraits, I felt a relief. Uh, like a release. I had gotten a lot of the anger I had towards the medical community for not recognizing it, for me having to fight and advocate for myself mm-hmm. to get treatment. I was told by these Harvard doctors, no, you don't have valley fever. That's not what it is. This is not a typical case. And they were adamant about it. Oh, no. And didn't want to give me the medication that I, I needed. Oh, no. I had to beg beg for it really oh I said, 
And then they gave me an inadequate dose. It was, you know, I went through a lot. So I went into the studio with a lot of angst and emotion. And once I painted and drew, I felt relief. (laughs) Wow. So once I knew that, I mean, as a psychiatrist, I realized the power of art. And I, Mm -hmm. I also have a lot of respect for art therapists who do this kind of work because it's it's a powerful way of getting your feelings out onto paper and getting it outside of the body. There's this connection to the mind and the body with art. My intermittent art teacher has been has tried to get me to do these multiple self-portraits because she said it's something I just need to do because that's who I know best. And that's who I can feel free to, you know, I don't have to make myself pretty. I I don't, you don't have to make yourself look like what you really look like. You can put down what you feel. Yes. And you're not insulting anyone. You're just really putting down what you feel. Right. And the several self-portraits that I've done, I've done a bunch already. And she's really critiqued them like to the teeth. Um. <laughs> Interesting. You know, she pulls stuff out of them uh-huh. and she thinks they're great things for me to have done. And I think it's important. I think it's you know? really important. So yeah. I, I appreciate her. I need to do more stuff and bring it to her. But yeah. um, who is your art teacher? Tell me about she's, her. She's um, in the last bunch of years, I've gone to the Art Students League okay. on 57. Oh. And I used to go to a teacher who was very kind mm-hmm. and sweet. Mm-hmm. And she was very skilled, but she was very encouraging and, you know, cuddly. Mm-hmm. And then one day I had a weekday class and I said, let me just go to this class. So I went to this class, but this woman's a painter. But I said, oh, I go, whatever. You know, I, I tried painting once and the teacher looked at me and said, that's not what a cantaloupe looks like. And I said, that's what I see. Well, I don't see that. And you're here to learn how to paint from me. And I said, okay, we're done here. We're done. Uh, I walked out. Good for you. Yes. So I went to this teacher and mm-hmm. she was a pisser. Uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting. So at the, at the end of the class, when everybody's, you know, put up one piece on the wall and we're all critiquing one another's work she tore some new orifices into people she just didn't hold anything back you know she's walking around the room she looks at my drawing she says well you know she's thinking about it and I go well I don't really like this I don't she said pardon me I said I'm not sure I should have she said is this your examination room and I said no she said well this is my classroom I didn't ask for your opinion you're here for my opinion and I'm giving it to you. (laughs) She's just tough, tough. And she would also know if I sneaked in a class with the other teacher, she goes, you did this with that other teacher, didn't you? (gasps) Oh my God. So when I, when I was unable to get the time to go to her class and I would only go maybe for one or two days for a year, she said, you know what? I know you have it hard. Pick a time, meet me at my studio, bring in a bunch of pieces and I will critique them for you. Oh, what's her name? Her name is Pat Lipsky, L-I-P-S-K-Y. She's a very avant-garde modern artist who is phenomenally brilliant and has a grasp of art history like you would not believe. I've taken a couple of her Zoom courses on art history. She's amazing. And she believes I have talent and I need to develop it. You have enormous talent, enormous talent. You know... 
it's hard to think that way. Like you say, when you haven't, when you had not done it for so long and it wasn't part of your life for such a long time. Yeah. Now you are a brilliant artist. And I think that I, you know, sometimes I think to myself, why are you not doing this more? And yeah, no, your work is, is very powerful. I know you're doing a lot of digital art. I hope that you also do oil and and other medium as well. I'm trying. The oils for me are... They're toxic. It's hard. And it's an effort because the whole setting up and then cleaning up a handful of brushes that I say, I'll clean them, I'll clean them. And they sit there for three months, which is the next time I get to paint. And I end up throwing them in the garbage. No, you can just put them in the medium and let them... I've never... I just, I see all these things. I don't know. I don't know. I just say, you know what? They look horrible. (laughs) As long as you don't pour the oil paint down the sink. No, no, I don't. That I don't. That I know. But, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I wish I could do more oil. I think you're a brilliant artist. You don't need someone to tell you that you're just, you are just phenomenal. You You know, I don't, I still don't feel that. I feel of course you don't because you don't and that's that's where the resistance comes in uh, but you might want to just start entering some shows some juried shows just yeah. to play with it a little bit or even a local art show yeah. and and then put yourself out there because I know you're doing you're putting yourself out there on social media but I think that it's going to be important to transition a little bit more yeah. and just be bold with that side of you because um, yeah. art is something to be shared. And I, you know, it's obvious that it's a, it's a, a part of you. I, I love it. I, I love what it does for me. I love what it does for people. And I, I know I need to work on the oil stuff. I'm going to spend, I, I, I signed up for the month long pencil and ink mostly pencil course next month in on sketchy. So I'm going to, I'm forcing myself to get away from the digital for a month. Good. Oh, which I think it's going to be healthy. That would be nice. I should yes. do something similar as well. Yeah. I want to just get restarted with my painting. Oh. Have you tried printmaking? No, I have never. No. Even. I never did either. And yeah. this, is, this is how I started is I found the studio where they were printmaking every Tuesday or whenever I would go after work yeah to the printmaking studio and I didn't even know how to mix the paints I mean I just I I felt like I said to the woman who ran the studio you know can you tell me how to mix these colors because I'm not really sure what to do and she's like just 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 try it just mix oh try it yourself and see what happens so everything I learned was all intuitive. I have not wow. ever really had um, training in this. So I went from fashion designer where we do lots of fashion illustrations. Yeah. And never did any fine arts per se. Wow. So I go into the studio and I just started painting. And the wonderful thing about printmaking is that you paint on copper plates or plexiglass and then you transfer it onto paper, put it through a press. 
remove the plexiglass or the, the copper plate and yeah. you're left with an image. Yeah. As prints. Yes. But the wonderful thing about printmaking is that I could do six prints in an evening. Yeah. And feel like I accomplished something. Yeah, that's it's, the thing I can't get with oil. Yes. You can't do that with oil. So I've done some oil on paper. Oh, some yeah. Oil I on tried canvas. That. Yeah. But printmaking is my love. I just oh, love Oh, really? Yeah. It's wonderful. How cool. Never even thought about it. Yeah. I was in the Boston Printmakers Biennial. Really? Yeah, in, in 2011. <laughs> oh, cool. I had three of my pieces in, <gasps> in that show. And it's a big, that's a very big show. And Jim wow. Dine, who's a printmaker, was the curator at the time. Yeah, I love printmaking. So. I haven't even thought about that. I think I think I, I still, though, need to get my oil. I think going. you should try printmaking. I did all of my prints are with oil paint. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I should show you some of my work. At some yeah. Point. Yeah. It's really easy to work with. And I think you'd love it actually, because you like digital work. I, yeah. I, think, I think printmaking is the next step for you. Really? I, it's, it never even occurred to me, not for a nanosecond. Yeah. It never occurred to me either. Wow. Um, and there's so many different forms of it. What yeah. I do is monotype and, yes. and that's all I know. But there's there are a ton of different ways you can use utilize printmaking. Oh, I have to look at some prints. I will send you a couple artists that I follow who are That'd be great. Yeah. And you'll you'll be amazed. Before we wrap up, tell me yeah. what, what kind of position are you? Where do you work? And then you could tell people how to find you as well. Oh, okay. Um, I am a musculoskeletal radiologist. I started off doing two years of general surgery at Lenox Hill, realized that it was not for me, but ended up going into radiology, which is a very visual yeah. side of medicine. And it suited me perfectly. And I, I loved the musculoskeletal system. I actually did some anatomic muscle illustrations when I was in undergraduate in comparative uh, medicine. And so that all really appealed to me. So I am a musculoskeletal radiology. I'm body imaging trained. And so I currently work for the last 20 plus years at University Radiology Group. We are probably one of the top two physician-owned practices in the country, radiology practices in the country. So we're very large, um, but we are still physician-owned and that's really critical to us. I work at multiple hospitals. I work mostly in our offices. I interpret the MRIs mostly of patients' arms and legs and shoulders and knees and hips. And um, that's what I do. But you're doing this kind of work. I would want an artist to look at my radiographs because (laughs) you, you notice subtlety and change and that skill of looking at the negative space and all of that is is so important all important all important Mm -hmm. I I I revel in it I love what I do and I think that's one of the reasons why it would be hard for me to walk away even though I love the art right I happen to love what I do I, I love reading the MRs. I love, um, I do arthrograms. So I do procedures on patients as well. I do musculoskeletal ultrasound, which is another very visual and three-dimensional, um, you know, take of things. And MRI is also three-dimensional. We have to put stuff together that we have on two-dimensional images. We have to create the three dimensions in our brain and understand where things go, where things should go, what's missing. And it, it, I think I think that part of my brain functions really well with yeah. my 
part of medicine. No, and I love it. Makes total sense to me. Yeah. It's very logical. Yeah. Makes total sense. Yeah. And and tell me, what's your definition of creativity? You know, the first thing that came to mind is my daughters. Okay. <laughs> um, I think for them, they were raised in a way that allowed them, that allowed their creativity to flourish. They were not held back. They were not, there was no limitation in what they could do or what they could think or how they could think. And so they're both artists in their own way. Mm -hmm. Whereas I still feel that my creativity is, is down here somewhere and not flourishing. Mm. So when I think of really creative, I think of both my girls. Yeah, it reminds me of the image of, um, you know, when you were doing these tiny little etchings or with the ink and when you really let go and released it was yeah. when the beauty came out, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you really have to be in the right place the right mindset. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know how that teacher, I, I have no recollection of the rest of the course. Yeah. I have no idea how he got me from this. Right. This. Well, I tell people, you know, when you're drawing, your drawing reflects whatever you're feeling inside of your body. So if you're tight, yeah. it's going to, your drawing's going to be tight. Right? Yeah. If you are loose and you relax, it's going to show in your drawings as well. Yeah, So absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you'll I, get, I, I, get there when you retire, I guess, when yes. you decide you're going to retire, which yes. is not. I um, think so. You know, it's funny. We look for a retirement home and my husband actually, who had just, has just recently been encouraging of my artwork. Yeah. Um, we're looking for a house with a room that I can use as a studio. Absolutely. You have to. And that's critical. A hundred percent. Yeah. You know, the fact that it's recognized as a big part of me now is, is an important directional push. Yeah. I think I never called myself an artist until recently. No. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. It's pretty recent that I started calling myself an artist. Wow. <laughs> I used to think that, you know, because I was a fashion designer, it wasn't, you weren't a real artist. You were kind of a commercial artist or illustrator. Yeah. You're an illustrator, but you're not really a fine artist unless you're a painter. Now I consider myself an artist because it's so much a part of my soul and who I am. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I'm not there yet. I know you're not, but that's okay. You'll get there. I'm not there yet, but I think I will. I think I will. Yeah, you'll get there. So people can find you and see your work on Instagram. Instagram, yes. It's easy. It's Prendergast underscore Nancy. How's that? Perfect. That's easy. (laughs) (laughs) And um, my younger daughter is encouraging me to fill up my um, website that as soon as I have it ready to go, that will be on my Instagram page as well. That'll be great. You'll be able to sell your art maybe online as well yes yes mm-hmm. we'll see a lot of people have asked for a website so i'm um, uh we have one we're just in the process of putting it together so that's great i know i have i don't have one as yet there are a lot of places that will host it for you so you don't have to worry about the mechanical stuff of it but yes. you really should you you need to do that. Thank you so much. That's I really great. appreciate this chat. I think I think it opened my eyes a little. Good. And I think it opened my heart just a little. Aww, so I, I, I want to use this to propel me. Awesome. I thank well, you. You're welcome. I try to inspire the artist. Oh, it works. Well, 
<laughs> it works. It works. You know, as, as, as a two-dimensional medium, it's amazing that it can do so many things to so many people and so many things for so many people. And to get the depth out of it, to utilize it, to sense it, to open it up. It's a whole world. It's a whole new world. Yeah. And I need to, I need to delve. Yeah, it's a valuable world. Our world would be very gray and black without artists. Yeah. Um, we really give color and light to the world. Yeah. Especially in times like this when we really need oh, it. Yeah. 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 So keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying. And, and hopefully I'll get some brush to canvas this week. Well, I hope we get together one day when. Yes, wouldn't that be nice? COVID isn't uh, I know. so rampant. But I would, I would love to meet you in person. and I would love that too. And, and talk more. Maybe at the Brooklyn Museum. That would be awesome. Yeah, yes. let me know if you go. Would be a good time. Maybe we'll have calmed down by then. Yeah. And your daughter is in Hamilton. Is that right? My younger daughter is in Hamilton. Wonderful. And it's wonderful. Yeah. And my older daughter is, is a, a very scientific minded person, but she has her own online comic strip, which she's been illustrating daily uh, for years now. Oh, please tell me uh, what that is. Maybe I will send that to you. Her. I will send it to you. It's very science, sci-fi, punk, politically, socially oriented. So it's just, it's fascinating. Um, but um, like I said, when I think of, when I think of creativity, I think of both my daughters and. Uh, yeah. They have the freedom to create and. Yes. Just, yeah, that's fantastic. Different world for them. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yeah. <gasps> what kind of oh, fiction? Mm -hmm. That was the interview with Dr. Nancy Prendergast, who is a prolific artist, and you can find her on Instagram, and you can see her work. So I hope you enjoyed the interview. It was a very long interview because we got very conversational, and I had to edit a large part of it. But she um, is just uh, simply a delight, and it was a pleasure meeting her, and I look forward to more collaborations with her. If you enjoy this interview, and if you are enjoying this series of interviews, if they inspire you in any way, I would love to hear from you. And if you could just share a review, share your opinions or thoughts, I would greatly appreciate it. Every review helps us spread the word and may inspire other physicians and healthcare workers who are yearning for their creative outlet and looking for a place to which they could go. So thanks again for joining me and I look forward to sharing with you more interviews on this podcast, Heal or Heal Yourself. This is your host, Dr. Isla Bates, signing off.